0: Hey, we're on our uh, core strength series. We've been talking about building up our core strength, talking about what it means and to build up our, our core values, and, and God was speaking to us about the culture that we want in our church, and we want to build a culture based on values that are embraced, so we embrace certain values. So we came up with 10 core values as a church, things that we believe in, that we hold tight to, and, and there could be 100 things that you could value, but we just narrowed it down to these 10 that we think are important, and uh, what we want to build the church on. We talked about a few of them already. We want to be with him was the first one. His presence means everything. We don't just want information about him. We want to have a relationship with him. That's a core value, the presence of God. We don't want to go through the motions. We want him. If he's not with us, we're wasting our time. Then the second one is we want to do life together. Relationships make us stronger. It's not just vertical. We don't just need Jesus. We need people some people are real good about wanting Jesus when they can't stand people around them. Well, we got to do life with people, and they help us make, us make us stronger. The third one we talked about, we pull on the leash, big faith, big risk because of a big God. And then we talked about last week, we live generously, that we freely we receive and freely give. We talk about the power of living a generous life. Today, on Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to be talking about we bring our A game, excellence reflects God. Excellence reflects God. So if you have your Bibles, let's open them up to uh, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We'll start reading in verse 18. We bring our A game. Now if you're not a sportsy person, that's okay. It's not just about sports. It just seems thematic for the day with it being the the day of the big game. I'm not even sure if I can even say the word Super Bowl uh, of too late. I just did, didn't I? (laughs) But uh, we uh, want to give it an aspect of, of sports as far as thematically, but it's not just in sports. We want to bring our A game all the time. So we're talking about excellence, and the word excellence in the Webster Dictionary means excellence, superior, higher quality, first class. This is a core value of who we are, and what we want to do is we want to operate in excellence. Now, don't get confused with excellence and perfection. Excellence is a manifestation of God's excellency, but excellence is not perfection. We're still going to make mistakes. Excellence is not about nobody can screw up or you're out. Excellence is something where we're desiring to do our best. Perfection is, you know, some people say, well, I'm I'm a perfectionist. If we're not careful, perfectionism is driven by fear. Fear that I don't want to make a mistake, fear that somebody won't like me. Perfectionism can become paralyzing. It can bring anxiety into our life. If we got to be perfect all the time, then fear is going to drive us. And we don't want to be driven by fear. We don't want to partner with that. So that's not what we're talking about when we say excellence. The excellence is, is about bringing our best effort, our best effort at all times. It's not always the best performance, but it's our best effort. We're going to miss it sometimes, but we got to be motivated to be our best, to do our best with the resources that we have. So Colossians chapter 3, look at verse 18. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Can we take a moment to receive from those two scriptures in the name of Jesus? just think it's awesome we have our marriage conference coming up and we're talking about bringing our A-game. You realize that if I bring my A-game at the workplace or I bring my A-game at church and I bring my D-game at home, it doesn't work that way. I can't be Superman at the office and be a dud at home. We got to bring our A-game at home, Man, men, women, children, we got to bring our A-game. See, God doesn't let any of us off the hook. Talks to wives and husbands, look at children, you're coming next, verse 20, amen. children, <laughs> obey your parents in all things, amen, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. That's my favorite verse of scripture right there. <laughs> and my children's favorite verse is the next one, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Only verse they memorize in the whole Bible. (laughs) Brothers, do not provoke your children. Verse 22, bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. I want to jump back to verse 23. Says, and whatever you do, whatever you do, look at your neighbor and say, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Usually that's what with a little bit of sarcasm, like, whatever. And don't roll your eyes when you say it, just whatever. But whatever you do, whatever you do. And the reason I, I stopped here in this verse is because I want you to see something about this scripture that I think is interesting. Remember, the Bible is written in uh, English to us, but it's originally in Greek and Aramaic, and and when they say whatever you do, this word do, the first do, is a Greek word that means to produce results, whatever you uh, work or build or construct, so this this word is talking about the what, whatever you do, whatever, this is the what side, so there's no limits to it, whatever you're doing, every area of our life, so that's the category, you got it? It's not just at church. It's not just at work. It's not just when everybody's watching. Whatever you do, all right, there's the grouping that we're talking about. You got it? It's everything. Whatever you do, whatever you're, you're working with, we are never off duty from this principle. That's what he's telling us. There's never a free pass. Whatever you do, hey, what are you doing? Nothing. You're doing something. You're doing something. So whatever you do, Now the next part, this next do. So we got do, do. The next do is a different word. It's the same word in English, but it's a different word in the Greek. And this word means to engage in activity involving effort or labor. This is the how. So whatever you do, the first one, the next one is how. How. So considerable effort. Whatever you do, operating in excellence is going to take effort. You might want to write that down. Excellence involves effort. We got to work at something. We got to labor at something. We can't be lazy. We got to work at what God's wanting to do. Bringing our A game doesn't happen by accident. Bringing your A game takes intentional effort. Let me give you some scriptures. Proverbs twelve twenty four. You see him there. It says the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. Proverbs 13, four, the soul of the lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. The soul of the lazy person wants all kinds of things. We can want things all day long, but only the hand of the diligent is going to actually do something. It's not enough just to want something. We've got to do something. You know what I've found in my life? The difference between getting what God wants me to get and getting what I want is sometimes just Diligence. Sometimes the difference in someone else getting ahead and moving forward in life and, and progressing in life is just they're willing to be diligent while the other one's willing to be lazy. Now I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. I'm just saying apply it where it applies for you. But sometimes we want to adopt this philosophy, well, it just wasn't meant to be. Well, maybe there's some things that weren't meant to be and there's some things that were meant to be that I was too lazy to make them be. Diligence is a factor in bringing our A game. So the next verse, Proverbs 21, 5. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. There's no shortcuts to bringing your A game. We got to bring it. We got to bring it. So that's the how. And he says, whatever you do, do it heartily. Let your neighbor say, heartily. 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 This word means heartily. It's, it's, it's two words come, that's put together. I think it's interesting. One means out, originating from, and the other one means breath or spirit. So you put these two together, and he says, whatever you do, do it heartily. Do it out of your spirit. In other words, whatever you do, be internally motivated and not externally motivated. Whatever you do, do it heartily. In other words, do it as motivated from within, from your heart, from your soul, from who you are on the inside. That's your source of motivation. Sometimes we get hooked on external motivation and it leaves us wanting because people don't motivate us or appreciate us or do whatever that's external. But when it's internal, then I'm not dependent on what anybody else says. It doesn't mean we don't like for people to applause us and acknowledge us and accolades. Those are all great, but they cannot be our sole source of motivation. He says, whatever you do, do it heartily. In other words, do it from the inside out. Whatever you do, that's our A game. When you want to bring excellence into your life, you've got to bring excellence because excellence is in you, not because someone is forcing it on you. If someone's forcing it on you, then we'll get into why you'll only do it when they're around. But when it's from the inside, you'll realize it's It's what God is doing. So we got the what, whatever you do, whatever it is. Then we got to do it heartily. That's the how. Then the next one is the where. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Where do we do it? We do it to the Lord. Who's it to? I'm asking whatever you're doing today, who is it to? Who's it to? Who's it towards? Who's it for? That's what you've got to ask yourself whenever you're doing something, who's this for? If it's to the Lord and if it's for him, that's the right where. we got to honor him with it. So we're doing it to the Lord because if we don't do it to him, if we're not looking to him, our eyes on him we will be discouraged when somebody doesn't see our excellence and we'll stop living excellent because nobody's paying attention. We do it to the Lord and not to men we got to live with excellence because it's the right thing to do, not because everybody's going to notice. Go to verse 22. Look what it said back there in verse 22. It says, bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with, not with, everybody say eye service. <laughs> Here's what eye service means. It's, it's, it's a neat, neat compilation for all the ophthalmologists in the room, this is a, as we get one of the words that where your root word comes from, it means eye or vision. So you got one word that means eye and vision, and you got another word that means slavery or slave. So you put the two words together, and we have this eye service. And what it means, there's two definitions to it. One is it means you're a slave to the eye. In other words, my work. If, I'm, if I work in eye service, my work is slave to someone's eye. In other words, someone always has to be watching me To make sure I do a good job eye service means I got to keep my eye on you all the time or you're going to drop the ball when we operate like this it means we're eye service the other part of the definition means that I have to have I'm a slave to someone's eye from my motivation I can't do it excellent unless I know somebody's watching so the slave to the eye means I'm dependent on man's approval because it goes on eye service as men pleasers Men-pleasers means, this word talks about not just pleasing men. It's okay to please your boss and do what you're supposed to do. But the difference is, the unique part of this word is that you're willing to please men even at the cost of pleasing God. I service as men. It's okay to please people. It's okay to please your boss. That's great. But when it comes to the cost of pleasing God, that's when it becomes a man-pleaser. We don't want to be man pleasers in that context. We don't want to work with eye service. Look what Proverbs 29, 26 says. Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice for man comes from the Lord. we got to do it to God and not to men. To men, not everybody's watching, but to God, he's always watching. He's always watching you. He always sees. He always sees what's going on. So who are we trying to please? We're trying to please God. If I'm answering to God, if I'm doing my best, am I doing my best for God or am I doing the minimum for man? Let me say that again. Some of you may have missed it. Am I doing my best for God or am I doing the minimum for man? Maybe you've heard this phrase sometimes that people say this, well, that's good enough for government work. Good enough for what I get paid for. That's man pleaser mentality. That's external I don't get paid enough to walk in that level of excellence. Oh, so now I need to be motivated externally instead of internally. I should have a value on the inside that says, God, I'm going to do my best with what I have for you no matter whether they pay me for it or not. That's bringing your A game. You're not looking for somebody to motivate you to a level. You motivate yourself, and that motivation produces a product, produces a service that brings you to a higher level. Some people say, well, if I got paid a little more, I'd do a little better. No, you won't. You will always do the minimum. A game people bring themselves to a higher level because of the quality of service they provide. And this is what we're talking about. We want to live this way. Bring out our best because it's for God. We want to do it for him. Let's go look at verse 24. Knowing, why do we do it to the Lord and not to man? Because we know, we know. Look at that word knowing. We know. We're convinced of this. We got to know this. Here's what you got to get in your heart this morning. We know that from the Lord you will receive. From the Lord. If we're doing it to the Lord, then we're looking to the Lord for our reward. I know that from the Lord I will receive. Underline the word will in your Bible. You will receive. You gotta sometimes you gotta bring different emphasis. And so I read that and I said, Knowing from the Lord, you will receive. So now when I'm operating in excellence and I'm doing what God's called me to do and I'm doing the best of my ability, i got to know that from the Lord I will receive. I will receive. That's what he said. He says, I will receive. I will receive the reward. Now I'm going to receive it from him. So now what if nobody notices? What if nobody sees your excellence? What if nobody sees your effort? What if nobody's paying attention? The Lord sees. He sees. What if your boss doesn't see it? That's all right. You keep doing it because the Lord sees it. What if your spouse doesn't see the gains that you're making, the effort that you're making to improve your marriage? If they don't see it, the Lord sees it. We do it to the Lord and not to man. What if, what if somebody else doesn't see it? Your teacher doesn't see it. Your coach doesn't see it. We're internally motivated to bring our A game, not externally. We're not man pleasers with eye service. We're not doing it just because, well, nobody knows. So I guess, what's the point? What's the point in me going to all this effort? Nobody's paying any attention. Might as well forget it. That's external. God sees it, and he says, I will reward you. You stay at it. Stay at it. Keep it. You will receive the reward. Will receive the reward. We're not being excellent just to receive rewards from people. We're receiving from God. Notice what he says, you receive the reward of the inheritance. Let me ask you something about inheritance. When do you get an inheritance? When you die? See, sometimes this is taught that we receive our inheritance when we get to heaven. And absolutely we will receive a glorious inheritance when we get in heaven. There's a certain part of that. But I don't receive my inheritance when I die. I receive my inheritance when my when the benefactor, when they pass away and pass on to me. If my if my dad leaves me a glorious inheritance, I'm just gonna speak this in the name of Jesus. At some point when when my father goes on to be with the Lord, then I will receive my inheritance when he dies, not when I die. Some people are leaving stuff on the table because when Jesus died is when we receive our inheritance. So now everything he died to give me, I got to receive it. He didn't just give me things so that when I get to heaven, I'll get them. I am thankful for heaven. I'm not putting down heaven. But he also died to give me a better life here on the earth. So he said, if I will bring my A game in every area of my life, I will receive the reward of my inheritance that everything Jesus died to give me, I can possess. I'm not waiting to get it all in heaven. I'm thankful for heaven. But I've also got an inheritance right here I can walk in. And that's what he's talking about. It's there. Notice that God's a rewarder. In Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, But without faith is impossible to please him, for he must come, excuse me, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So walking in our A game is going to be rewarded. Do we do it for the reward? No, we do it because we're internally motivated. But we cannot deny the fact that we will be rewarded because the scripture promises that. Don't don't get discouraged about realizing there's going to be a reward. David did not go to kill Goliath for the reward, but he didn't mind asking what the reward was going to be. His motivation was not tax-free status. His motivation was not Michael, the son of daughter. His motivation was that the Goliath was defying the armies of the living God. I'm going to kill this guy anyway. I might as well stop and ask what's going to happen for me when I do it. Internal motivation puts God in a place where he rewards. So when man doesn't reward you, that's all right. You just keep on going because your father is watching. When nobody's rewarding you, nobody's paying attention to the excellence you're putting into your life, you're bringing your A game, I want you to keep going because God sees and he rewards. I don't know what your reward is going to be. Everybody always gets caught up in materialistic stuff and think it's all about, I don't know how he's going to reward you, but I know he's going to reward those who diligently seek him. So, let me give you three examples of people that walked in excellence. Three examples. First one, go to Genesis chapter 39. I'm going to talk about three people. There's tons of people. When I started looking at this, I thought, man, how am I going to select just three people? But just for time's sake, I don't want you to get tired of me talking, so I'm just going to pick out three. Genesis chapter 39, I'm going to talk about Joseph. Joseph walked in excellence. And I want you to see yourself in this place because Joseph is a slave in Egypt. Joseph is not in a pristine position. He's not in a place that is uh, ideal for him. He's in a slavery position. But I'm telling you that the... Lesson to be learned here is that no matter what state you're in, you can walk in excellence. It's internally and not externally. So you say, well, if I had a better job, I'd do a better job. No, you do the best job you can at the job you're at. You put your whole effort into it. You put it all in. My my boss, he's terrible. She's terrible. I can't work for them. Do your best for a bad job and God will reward you with a better job. We're always looking for someone else to motivate us into excellence and God said, no, I want you you to bring your a-game that's what joseph did brothers lied on him cheated she him, sold him into slavery this guy had a right to be bitter he had a right to be bitter but look what happened in verse uh, now joseph had been taken down to egypt and for an officer of pharaoh captain of the guard an egyptian bought him for the from the ishmaelites who had taken him down there and look at verse 2 the lord was with joseph he was with joseph <laughs> I don't care what position you're in. I don't care if you're in a dead-end job. I don't know, care if you're in a, the worst possible scenario. If the Lord is with you, you've got a good gig. He's going to be with you. You say, well, I got myself in a mess. If you'll ask the Lord to come in your mess and work with you, if the Lord is with you, he can get you out of a mess. I don't care if you got yourself into that mess. If you'll invite the Lord into your mess with you, then he can make a message out of your mess. That's what he's wanting to do. The Lord was with Joseph and look what it says when, when the Lord's with Joseph, he was a successful man. Now, you hear the word successful, and automatically in my English language, I think successful, and you get all kinds of images of what that means. But that Hebrew word successful actually means to push forward. Push forward. Push forward. I'm convinced of this in our life. Sometimes the difference from where we're supposed to be and where we are is our lack of pushing forward and doing continuing to do what God's asked us to do in the moment. He was a successful man. The Lord's with me. I'm just gonna keep pushing forward. I'm a slave in Egypt where I didn't ask to be. I was wrong to get here, but I'm gonna keep pushing forward. I'm not gonna quit. God's asking you, are you gonna keep pushing? Are you going to keep pushing forward in your life or are you just going to let the devil paralyze you? Are you going to let the circumstances around you control your motivation? Are your motivation going to control your circumstances? I'm going to preach myself happy. <laughs> See, I mean, just asking Joseph. Joseph was internally motivated. He, he Whatever you are, keep pushing forward with excellence. Maybe you're on the bottom rung of the corporate ladder. You keep pushing forward. Maybe you're the lowest man on the totem pole at your job, lowest woman on the totem pole. You keep pushing forward with excellence. If you're faithful in little, God will make you ruler over much. Got to be faithful. Got to be faithful. So he goes on. Look at verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Saw. How did he see? What did he see? Did he see the Lord glowing over his head? Did Joseph glow in the dark? You know, was there, did he have some kind of, oh, about him? What did he see? When I see the Lord saw, when he saw that the Lord was with him, what did he see? I believe he saw excellence. I believe he saw something about Joseph that caused him to stand out from the others. Saw that the Lord was with him. He made all that he did, everybody underline the word did right there, all that he did to prosper in his hand. So notice when the Lord is with him, everything that he did would prosper, would prosper. That word prosper there means to do something. God's not going to cause my thoughts to prosper, my intentions to prosper. We talked about opportunity cost a couple weeks ago in our pulling on the leash message. And sometimes he causes what we do to prosper, not what we intend to do. I better find somebody that wants to receive a little poke in the... In the back. (laughs) Sometimes we get lazy with good intentions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. He will not cause your intentions to prosper. He'll cause what you do to prosper. You gotta do something. Excellence is doing something. It's putting your best foot forward. It's going after it. It's not saying, well, if the Lord wants that to happen, it'll happen. I'm talking about not going against God. I'm talking being with God and making something happen. The Lord was with him, and he caused whatever he did to prosper. Sometimes, I believe this with all my heart. Some people, uh, I just believe this part. I believe God is waiting on me. Sometimes he said, Chad, I'll back your play. Whatever you're willing to do, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? You want some contextual application for that? Samson, I believe Samson's there. He's got a 1,000 men in front of him. What am I going to do? God says, hey, Samson, I'm with you. Let's kill him. What do you want to do? Sam says, well, here, here's a donkey jawbone. I believe the Lord says, I'll back that jawbone right now with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You put that jawbone to use and I will be with you. Sometimes he's waiting on us to pick up something and do something. So he says, I'll I'll cause it to prosper in your hand. Look at Ecclesiastes 9.10. It says, whatever your hand finds to do, to do, do it with your might. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there's no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going. In other words, <laughs> it's going to be too late when you're out of here. Do it while you've got breath in your lungs. Whatever your, fi- your hand finds to do, do it how? With all your might, with all of your heart, do it heartily. Do it with your best. Well, nobody pays any attention to what I do around here. Nobody's going to know. It's not going to matter. God's going to know he's going to know whether you did your best or not. He's going to know whether you brought your A game or not. He's building a value system inside of you that's not driven by external circumstances. It's driven by internal motivation. And we'll live like this excellence is going to come into our life and God will promote you and bring you to places that are of influence. But we got to be internally motivated to do it. I can't do something that's good enough for those around. Well, that's good enough for the people I'm around. Maybe I need to be around some higher level people. Maybe I need to challenge myself to go higher if I only want to do as good. See, us shrinking back to make other people feel good about themselves is not going to change the world. When we shrink back, well, listen, I don't want anybody to feel bad. you got to bring your best. If they're not bringing their best, that's their fault. Well, I don't want to make anybody feel bad. So we water it down and we bring mediocre so others feel good about their mediocrity. I'm talking to somebody right now in the name of Jesus. See, what happens, we, we want everybody to feel good, and we, we water ourselves down to a place that we're not living from fulfillment and wonder why we're discouraged. Got to go for it. Go for it. If they're, if they're not doing their best, pray for them. doesn't mean you get haughty and high-nosed about it. It just means you just give your best because you're doing it as unto the Lord and not to men. Don't compare ourselves among ourselves. Look at verse 4. So Joseph found favor. Everybody say favor. favor. What happens when you bring your A game? You're going to find favor. When you put your hand to do something, there's going to be favor. That word favor means literally to bend or stoop in kindness or mercy to an inferior So it's somebody higher than you, someone in a greater position of influence, stooping down and being kind to you, showing generosity to you. They're coming down. Favor is someone who's in a place of authority or influence above you that because of your excellence reaches down and begins to pour into your life and bless your life. I don't know what that blessing looks like. Again, don't get caught up in materialistic things. I'm just saying he found favor in his sight. It's because he was excellent. And this is what I believe God wants to do in your life. He wants to bring excellence into you so he can bring favor into you. Look at Proverbs 3. It says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of who? God and man. When we bring our A game, God's going to bring us favor in the sight of God and man. So I don't need favor in the sight of man. All I'm saying is in Luke chapter 2, It says that Jesus Himself began to grow. We look at bring up Luke chapter two. It says, "And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man." When you operate in excellence and bring your A game, God will bring you in favor with Him. Most importantly, but He'll also bring you in favor with man. Why is He bringing you in favor with man? Not so that you can get all the credit, not that so we can go, yay, you and worship you. It's because God's wanting to draw attention to himself. And when we honor God, he puts us in a bigger place for him to be honored by more people. He's wanting to do something through you. Let me look at another guy. Go to Daniel, Daniel chapter 6. Daniel operated in excellence. Daniel was an excellent guy. Here's another guy that's in slavery, in bondage. What's your excuse? What's my excuse for not operating? Well, I just don't have a great work environment. (laughs) Ask Joseph and Daniel how slavery was. See if they had a great working environment. We got to bring excellence no matter what our environment is. We're going to be the thermostat, not the thermometer. We change the atmosphere. We don't let the atmosphere change us. We're changing it. Look what Daniel says here in chapter 1, or sorry, chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, I mean, that's not that's not a hunter thing there. Satraps isn't. That's not, he's not a fur trader. Look at verse. It says, To be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps may, might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Look at verse three. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps. Distinguished himself. That word means to literally, this distinguished means to glitter from afar means to stand out, means he was bedazzled, he he was shining, it's like he was noticed. How did Daniel get noticed? It was his excellence, something about his life, what he did. He distinguished himself above everybody else, not because he was trying to run them down, he was doing his best. If you try and do your best so that other people look low, your motivation is not from God, it's from you. It's not about exalting ourselves, it's about bringing our best. If other people around us decide not to bring their best, and so they're less than, that's their issue. They've got to work that out. But Daniel said, I'm going to distinguish myself, not so that I can bring attention to myself, but because it's what's inside of me, I'm going to bring my best. He distinguished himself. Proverbs 18, 16 says this, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Look what it goes on to say. He distinguished himself above these other, other dudes. How did he do it? Because an excellent spirit, everybody say excellent spirit. Excellent spirit was in him. An excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. This word excellent here means exceeding, excelling, above and beyond. What was in him? It wasn't in him to do the bare minimum, it was in him to do above and beyond. He had second-mile attitude. He had, okay, here's what we need you to do. Here's all we're asking for. You just make sure this looks like this. Put this together. Do that. You know, run these numbers. Do that. Okay, this this is what you're asking. This is what you need. Okay, so here's what Daniel would do. He would do what they said. Okay, that's my baseline. Now I'm going to start asking the Lord, how can I go above and beyond that and do it better than they even asked me to do it? So this is what I'm talking about. Hey, can you clean up a little bit? Sure. Lift up a rug and sweep something under there. Do the bare minimum. Oh, there's no cameras here, are there? Okay. I'm just, I'm just putting in my time just till the clock ticks. I'm just putting in my time. Wait until 5 o'clock. Wait until the weekend. I'm getting there at 8.01 and I'm leaving at 4.59. I'm talking about excellence. I'm getting there as late as I possibly can, and I'm leaving as early as I possibly can. That's not bringing your A game. I'm want, I'm want to give my boss the bare minimum because he don't pay me enough. She don't pay me enough. See, this is what he's talking about. He said, I want, I want to distinguish myself because I've got an above and beyond mentality. I want, I want to do extra. When your boss comes back, they say, you did all that? You didn't have to do that. I know. But I was doing as unto the Lord. I was doing as unto the Lord, and my Lord, he likes a clean floor. I'm telling you what, he wants to eat off this bad boy right here. <laughs> See, we've got to go above and beyond. This is what Daniel did. Excellence takes effort. Don't, don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. Sometimes, here's what I didn't like about some of the church message. The church message started to get into this stuff that, well, we just believe God, and it's just going to happen to us because we're Christians. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Woo! Riches are coming to me because I'm a Christian. Too many individuals like that were so lazy that they didn't want to work for it. They wanted it to come like a lottery ticket from God. So they were too religious to buy a lottery ticket, but they wanted to treat God like a lottery ticket. I'm not talking to you, but I'm talking about some other people. <laughs> See, I believe too many times the believers got lazy and they didn't go for it. They didn't use what God had given. They didn't pull on the leash. They didn't walk in excellence. And they thought they could walk in less than excellence and God, who's an excellent God, would bless them for their mediocrity. And that's not what God wants to do. He wants us to, we, he wants us to reflect him. You know who the, the believers should be the best workers at any job? If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, we should stand out and be the best. I'm not saying being the best like better than. I'm saying you should bring your best all the time. How dare we say we are followers of Jesus and we're the laziest people on the shift. We are reflecting God in everything we do. we got to bring our A game. We, your bosses constantly have to correct your stuff and go over your stuff. You've got the bad attitude, all this stuff. No, we got to bring our A game because it reflects God. This is what, what happened with Daniel. we got to make, Aristotle said this, we are, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act but a habit. It's not an act, it's a habit. we got to have an A-game habit that we're doing all the time. I'm not doing it just when the camera's on. I'm not doing it just when the boss is looking. The boss goes on vacation or steps out for a couple days and all of a sudden the rest of the office just goes to pot. Why is that? Because they're not operating in excellence. They're eye service men-pleasers. We aren't like that. We're followers of Jesus. Amen. Ooh. Do we have any more followers of Jesus? Amen. (laughs) Maybe maybe I'm talking to the wrong crowd. But I'm telling you, we want to walk in excellence. Let me give you one other example. Go to, go to 1 Kings chapter 10. This is going to blow your doors off. 1 Kings chapter 10. You say, ease up, Chad. You're getting in my kitchen a little bit. That's all right. I'm not trying to bring condemnation. I'm trying to challenge myself. God's asking me in 2017. He said, Chad, I want you to raise your game. Raise your game. I want you to bring your A game. Sometimes you've been bringing a game that was only going to keep you uh, uh, standard with the pack. I want you to bring your best all the time. Here's what 1 Kings chapter 10 says. Now when the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon. You realize when you operate in excellence, people are going to hear about it. Your boss is going to hear about it. People are going to hear about it. People's going to notice the fame of Solomon. Rumors. That word fame means rumors. News, it tra- news travels. Good news and bad news. <laughs> The fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. So here's what he was famous for. He was famous for his relationship and his wisdom that had come from God. She came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue. In other words, she came with a great posse. With camels, and bore spices, very much gold, precious stones when she came to Solomon. She spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all of her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, how do you see wisdom? She's seen all the wisdom. That word doesn't fit for me. See, you don't see wisdom. You see the evidence of wisdom. So what she saw was excellence in his life. She saw the reflection of wisdom in his life. Look what it says. When she saw the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating for his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers, his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. She, some of you don't know Fred Sanford. <laughs> That's what I see when I read this. Coming to meet you, Elizabeth. She she began to fall out. She was overwhelmed. You could translate this way. It took her breath away. What took her breath away? The excellence of the kingdom of God. God doesn't believe and live in mediocre. God lives in excellence. Don't try starting assigning a dollar assigned to that because you'll say, I can't do it. It's not about being rich and wealthy. It's about bringing your best with the resources you have. And this is what she saw. Maybe your resources aren't the same as King Solomon's, but you can still bring your best. There's no more spirit in her. Then she said to the king, it was a true report when I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw it with my own eyes. And indeed, the half was not told to me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men and happy are these, your servants, who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Look where, look where excellence brings glory to. We call it excellence reflects God. Look at verse 9. She says, blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Look what happens with Solomon Solomon operated in excellence. Some people would say, this is why it's a core value of who we are. I want us to bring our best all the time. I don't want us, here's what I want to be an illegal phrase in our mindset. Well, it's good enough for us because we're doing it for him. Is it good enough for Jesus? Is it good enough for him? Are we giving him our best? Because Solomon, if you read the story, you need to read that whole chapter. He built himself this ivory throne throne had lions all down the steps. He, he made for himself like these, uh, uh, how many was it? I think it was like 500 total gold shields. And the first, the first uh, I think it was the first 100 shields, I wrote it down, yeah, the first 200, these large shields, I tried to do some rough calculation. It's tough to figure out, you know, how many shekels of gold and how what it means equivalent today. The best that I could figure out that one shield cost $300,000. One shield. He made a hundred of them. Why? Because he operated in excellence. The Bible says that Solomon made silver as common as rocks. They used to just pile silver. I just put silver over there. We don't have a use for that. All I'm saying is we need to believe God that He wants our best. Solomon operated in excellence. Maybe my resources aren't what Solomon's. I'm not piling silver in my backyard. But am I piling up mediocrity? Am I not giving him his, him my best? Whatever we do, how are we supposed to do it? Heartily. As unto who? As unto the Lord. It's core value of who we are as a church and who we are as believers. We give our best. We bring excellence to everything we do. We don't want to live in mediocrity. We don't want to do, well, that's close enough for government work. We want to give our best. So I want us to take a moment. And I want us to pray. And I know this could be tough. It's tough on me to hear it from the Lord, but it's good for me to hear it. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show me where I've where I've not brought my best. Are you doing what you're doing as unto the Lord? Some of you have have pushed have uh, uh, drawn back a little bit. And have stopped doing your best because you thought nobody was noticing. Some of you are doing your best. You don't think anybody's noticing and you're getting discouraged. I'm telling you, he will reward. He will reward. You will receive the reward of your inheritance, the Bible tells us. So I want you to keep doing your best. You say, what's the point? It's not getting me anywhere. It's a dead-end job. I'm making minimum wage. There's no place for an advancement in this. Do your best because God sees you. He knows your address. He knows your phone number. Knows your email. He knows everything about you. He can find you if you will walk in excellence just like Joseph did. Just like Daniel did. Just like Solomon did. Do the best with what you have. We do it as unto the Lord. Let's commit our hearts that as followers of Jesus, we will be the best. On our workplace in our workplace we will reflect God that literally whatever we put our hands to do will reflect him give him your best make that commitment to him today father I pray for everyone watching and listening right now I pray Lord that you will speak to them about their a-game that they will bring their best to you I pray, God, you'll show us areas where we've gotten mediocre in our effort. You'll stir us on to excellence. I pray for for those that are getting discouraged, thinking nobody's watching. I pray today that they know that their father sees them and he's proud of them. Keep up the good work. So, God, I pray that you continue to challenge us, that whatever we put our hand to do, you will cause it to prosper. We receive that. We receive it, Lord. We want to walk in excellence. Not for our glory, but for yours. We want to reflect you in your goodness. Thank you, Jesus.